Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. On NFL Draft Podcast, I am Trevor Sikma. Today, we are starting another episode in our training camp tour. Yesterday, we talked to Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. We checked in on everything that was happening with Trey Lance, with Trey Sermon, with Aaron Banks, with guys like Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk as well. It's not just about the rookies. I'd like to take a one to two year scope here on this training camp tour today. We're heading north. We are going to the city of Chicago to check in on another well-known quarterback from this past draft class. I'm talking about Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a guy that he had so many fans throughout the draft process. It seemed like draft nicks and, 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 and internet scouts sounds mean, but I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying when I say that. Us on this side of things. We really loved Justin Fields. We thought that he was a for sure next franchise quarterback type. And it just felt like the NFL, people on those sides, they didn't really agree. Not that everybody disagreed with that, but certainly with Justin Fields falling outside the top 10 for his talent and what everybody thought that he could do for a franchise, that seems like quite the slide. That seems like there was a big disconnect from what we thought versus what the NFL thought. And so to check in on how Justin Fields is doing now that he has found a home in Chicago. We have with us today, Lauren Cox. He is the host of the Locked On Bears podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me, man. Hey, I appreciate you making some time for me, and uh, it's been an exciting time for some young players in Chicago, so I'm happy to do it. Yeah, man, I, and I'm, I'm excited to hear exactly what these young players, some of these rookies and second-year players, what these guys have been up to, because it's exciting times in Chicago right now. It felt like over the last couple of years, yes, there was reason to believe in what Chicago had going on, but you just you were always worried about the quarterback position. It was always something that it seemed to be holding them back. Now they have Justin Fields, and maybe he's not going to stay step out onto the scene right away and be the savior of the franchise. But there's something to believe in here. Before we talk about what Fields has done since he's put on that Chicago Bears practice jersey, I want to go back to draft night. And, and, and I want to hear from you kind of your story, your telling of draft night and how it went for those first couple of picks. When did you think, okay, all right, maybe this is in the cards for Chicago. And then did you freak out when it eventually happened with them trading up? Did you think they were trading up for Mac Jones? I'd love to just hear your take on everything that happened on draft night. Yeah, having covered this team for a long time, you get sort of predisposed to expect, I don't want to say the worst, but just maybe not the best. And so, (laughs) you know, draft day, the expectation is that, yeah, quarterback is probably in the mix somewhere. Is it Mac Jones at 20? Is it trading back into the, you know, the bottom of round one and, you know, taking Kellen Mond or somebody there or even just, you know, waiting round two or like Jamie Newman a little later on? You know, that was sort of the the range we were expecting. It just It's like it's going to be some kind of disappointment given all the quarterbacks at the top of this draft. And so you kind of keep an eye on it as, you know, of course, first the picks come off the board. And it's like, yep, Trey Lance and, and, and of course, um, the Jets and, and, the, and the Jaguars, you know, with Lawrence and at the top of the draft. And Justin Fields starts falling. It's like, okay, he gets, 
gets down to like, you know, six, seven, eight. It's like, okay, we were kind of expecting that. But then you get into that like, murderer's row. You have the NFC East teams in there. And you're like, well, right, right. somebody's going to make that move. And and all of a sudden, it's like the Giants are on the clock. It's like, oh, well, they never trade down, so we're good here. And then, boom, <laughs> Bears are on the clock. And, oh, uh, then, then, then the fear, you're 100% right. It's like, did they just trade up into the top 12 for Christian Derisaw? You know, did they just trade up for Mac Jones? Like, oh, what, yeah. What is this actually going to be? And then, of course, Justin Fields comes off the board, and it was, like, wildly exceeding any of our grandest expectations for how this draft was going to be. Because I think for Bears fans, they just never thought Fields would actually fall far enough that they wouldn't have to give up three first-round picks right. and a bunch of extra stuff to go get him. That was, that was the big thing is the Bears were never going to really mortgage everything to go up there and get a top quarterback. So – it had to be the perfect mixture of teams passing on him, and apparently the Giants willing to move down for the first time in forever, and boy, Bears fans uh, have not looked back since. I'd like to think that we, as a sports football Twitter, bullied Dave Gettleman into making his first trade back in the first round, and so you're welcome, Bears fans, because you guys got to reap the benefits of it. You know, you, you mentioned it there, and, and yeah, it was a little bit crazy leading up to the draft. There were so many quarterbacks that were good, and it's funny because it felt like there were a lot of quarterback needy teams who were picking later in the draft. You know, you had Chicago there, you had Washington, you had Indianapolis, and these are all teams that could have used a quarterback. But like you said, it's easy to say that. It's a lot harder to get up to a position to go get one of these guys. And so that was always the thought with Chicago is sure, they'd love a quarterback, but to get from you know 20 to three or four or whatever it was, whatever you thought you had to get up to, that would have just been insane. And when you look at a regime with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, it's kind of on the fritz anyways. And so you think, shoot, are they even allowed to trade draft picks that far in advance? (laughs) And so there was a lot of things that went into the equation. And now that Justin Fields is on the Bears, where is he with the QB1 plans? Because Trubisky's obviously out, no longer there, but they bring in Andy Dalton. They had the infamous QB1 tweet before the draft even happened, which I think was hilarious. But they've got Justin Fields. They've got Andy Dalton. They even still have Nick Foles for right now on the roster as we are recording this podcast. But where is Fields right now in these plans? Are they going to ease him in? Is it really his job from the jump? What do you think the vibe is right now with Justin Fields? They're really sticking to this copycat plan of Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City in 2017 or 2018 that they want Dalton to be that consistent, established starter and as long as he wins games and has them successful, then he will remain that starter, whether that's all 17 games or whether that's four games. Mm. <laughs> that's that's I, the the feeling that we get uh, out of House Hall. They, they want and, and they promised Andy Dalton he would get to be the starter. He, you are our starting quarterback. They told him when they signed him that we we might end up drafting a rookie. And then, of course, on draft day, unlike the Green Bay Packers, the Bears called their starting quarterback to say, hey, just so you know, we're probably going to trade up for Justin Fields today or trade up for a quarterback today. And then again, called him afterwards and said, hey, you're still our starting quarterback. That promise that we told you right at the front is still true. But I think the feeling is that the only thing Andy Dalton is guaranteed at this point is week one against the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. And from there, anything else is open. And even as, as training camp is getting going, right, I mean, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a sec, but. There's this, this, all the hype is around Justin Fields and everyone's wondering like, is Matt Nagy going to blink at some point and say, you know what, 
change of plans. We got to get Justin out there. Like, can he be so good at training camp that they just feel that need to absolutely kind of throw Andy Dalton under the bus and break that promise and that trust? And I mean, there's a, there's a lot that sort of went into that for for Andy. And I certainly feel for the guy, but he also knew what he was getting into and right. knew he was signing a one year deal. So it's 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 full speed ahead with the with the Smith Mahomes plan and just trying not to get Mahomes level expectations for for Fields. Yeah, man, it just it, it seems like everybody clamors for the guy who's up next, and especially when you draft a a young quarterback who has such a what you think is a very bright future. It, it's hard to even if you have the best intentions, keep the other guy in there, even if you're doing okay, maybe winning some games. So I mean, look at what happened in Miami last year. You know, Fitzpatrick actually had the Dolphins what it felt like is kind of bouncing back, rolling a little bit, and they still made the change once they got to their bye week. And so, yeah, that's uh do you know when the bye week is for Chicago off the top of your head? I'm put totally putting you on the spot here. So I wouldn't expect you to know it, but I just wondered. It- it's week 10, and trust me, we know it because that's the date every Bears fan has circled on the <laughs> okay. calendar. This is maybe when we think the change is going to be. They have sure. a, a few tough games right before that bye week that could kind of be the time where the Bears ah. but, Yeah, we'll maybe make the change here and, and try and gear up for a potential playoff push or something. Okay. All right, there we go. So my last question about Fields before, and I did want to move on to other guys in the roster because it, it is an exciting season upcoming in Chicago for a lot more reasons than just Justin Fields. Does Fields bring whatever element was missing to a Matt Nagy offense, to a successful formula for the Chicago Bears? Because it just felt like, you know, they they tried a couple of different quarterbacks. They had Mitchell Trubisky kind of in one style, maybe change it to the other. But nothing seemed to work with no matter who was in at quarterback for the Bears. Is it simply just that he is more talented of a quarterback, or does he bring maybe an element or a skill trait, something that is going to help build this offense around him with a lot more success than what we've seen prior with the other quarterbacks? I think for Justin Fields, the the guy we saw at Ohio State, right? I mean, if that if that translates the way Bears fans have seen, I mean, we've all watched the NFL draft, everything. If everything in the scouting report kind of comes true, then it will absolutely be the difference maker in this offense compared to what we've seen from previous years. And it's, to me, it's not that much about the physical traits. I mean, obviously he's got a strong arm and he's mobile. I mean, he can do all the the physically impressive things that can be a potentially dynamic quarterback. And those are all really important and valuable to have, but to be the the real difference, I think for this offense is going to come in between the years and processing and going through progressions and reading coverages quickly and making those quick correct decisions when it's a bang bang moment and you have to get rid of the ball and you have to know sure. exactly you know what coverage you're facing and based on the route concept that you have which receiver in that route concept against that coverage is the receiver you need to go to in that two and a half seconds after you snap the ball and that was where things kept falling short with Mitch Trubisky right Mitch was a mobile quarterback Mitch had a pretty strong arm I mean he he could do he, it's not the same skill set as Justin Fields but he could do some you know plus athletic things that not every slow you know, Nick Foles, for example, or Andy Dalton couldn't quite do at the quarterback position. And, but, the, but he didn't have necessarily the, especially coverages was the one thing Matt Nagy always came back to is like, he needs to become a master of coverages is what he said. I think after year three in the NFL and it's like, all right, this is, this is the sort of the red flag here that they just can't, he's not cerebral enough at the position to really operate the Andy Reid offense and see the whole field the way mm-hmm. more successful Andy Reid quarterbacks have done over the years. And so that's what the Bears are looking for more than anything, I think, out of Justin Fields. And 
we're not going to be able to really good, get a great sense of how he can do that at, at NFL speeds against NFL players until he actually gets on the field and the bullets are actually flying in a real, at least preseason game, if not regular season and beyond. Right. No, and I'm sure that that's why a lot of people want him to start sooner rather than later, right? Because you get to kind of figure that out and, and Justin Fields gets to learn here in his rookie season. All right, so we're going to move on from the quarterback talk. We're going to get into some Tevin Jenkins. We're going to talk about a couple of second-year players, even some third- and fourth-year players, what's been going on with the Bears over the last couple of years. We're going to dive into all that after this word from our friends over at BetOnline.ag. This is the fast and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. doesn't matter whether it's baseball, basketball, NHL, football, UFC, MMA, whatever it is. They've got all the latest news, the odds, the sporting info, whatever to get you ready to make the best bets possible. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to really get into the game. Head over to their website or use their mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. That's all caps. It's one word, Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. More Bears talk coming up after the break. All right, so we got plenty of Justin Fields conversation there in the first half of the podcast. Now I want to move on to some of the other positions. There is another rookie coming into this year who had a lot of hype, which was another player that so many draft analysts viewed as a surefire first round pick who ended up dropping all the way to the second round where the Bears once again took advantage of the draft as it was falling to them. It's offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. And I know Jenkins hasn't been out there at training camp so far because of a back injury. How concerned are you here? Is this is this a big deal? Is it, back injuries are kind of tricky, but like, uh, do they seem nervous at all that Tevin Jenkins is going to miss a ton of time? Maybe going in the regular season. What's the update there with Jenkins? Everything they've indicated is that this is a minor thing. It's kind of back tightness, back soreness, just something. But but right, you, so it's like they're supposed, they're kind of making sure everything seems okay. But there's I think a little bit of a nervousness about it because one, it sounds like it's sort of a back tightness and soreness that he's been dealing with for parts of the offseason up to this point. Mm-hmm. And so they say, you know, he's, you know, he's just day to day and he'll be back out there soon and blah, blah, blah. And part of it's like, well, this has been going on a little bit now. So when when will this not when will it be done? Like, is this something that's going to linger for the entire season that he's, you know, what I mean, they haven't indicated any of that. But you start to question, like, how long has this been going on and what exactly is is the run up here? But, you know, they could have placed him on the physically unable to perform list or, you know, the non-football injury list or whatever. And they didn't. They did, they did that with a couple of other players who have been good sign. kind of banked up. Yeah. So we're being told to not not worry about it. But both of their starting offensive tackles have not practiced yet. So they've had two backups practicing against Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and everybody. In <laughs> but, but that makes it harder to evaluate Andy Dalton and Justin Fields when the pass sure. rushes in the backfield to play. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I haven't seen an egregious amount of Khalil Mack highlights. Then just like absolutely destroying the offensive tackles and everybody being like, "This could be defensive player of the year year for Khalil Mack," and he's like forklifting the backup offensive tackle <laughs> with one finger. You know, just like a pinky finger or whatever it is. I'm surprised I haven't yeah. seen that with uh, with both well, those offensive tackles. Yeah, two things. One, uh, they haven't had pads on yet, and so you know it's. They're, they're just kind of doing the patty cake. And actually, there was a play yesterday, I think, or the day before, where uh, somebody accidentally ran into Justin Fields and knocked him to the ground, and he was, like, briefly slow to get up. So then it's like, okay, let's get, let's get some offensive tackles. The other, but the other big thing is that the Bears are 
strict about video and highlights, and they ah. shut down. They even fans are recording in the stands that posted on Twitter. They will find them and walk up there and kick them out of training camp practice because they are very on top of any sort of video coming out. So the highlights tend to be few and far between. When uh, when I was covering the Buccaneers for Peter Report, uh, I it was when was this? So this must have been 2017. So like Twitter was was obviously a thing. Like it was well established then, but it was still getting its groove when it came to live sports reporting and especially training camp. And um, actually covering training camp via Twitter is actually how I got the job at Peter Report. Funny enough, but I remember when I was with Peter Report, I would tweet out the exact formations and who was playing where. Like whether Noah Spence was like a hand in the dirt defensive end or whether he was like a stand-up Leo rusher, like where he was compared to like a couple of the other players. And I was I was going through like alignment and spacing and I remember the Bucks PR people coming up to me and they're like, yeah, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> so I do... Show me the policy. Right, they're normally pretty good. They're good with uh, with the video content. They are. They understand that this this is our job too. You know, when you when you cover a team, you cover training camp. People want to see the videos. They want to see things like that. So normally they're pretty great with that. But I do remember them coming up to me specifically and being like, "Yeah, you're you're done. <laughs> like you're not doing this anymore." And I was just like, "Okay, that's fine. Whatever." Uh, wanted to move on to the offensive side. Uh, and talk about some of the offensive weapons, mainly running back David Montgomery. And one quote in particular, I'm sure you know the one that I'm going to bring up. It's Nagy saying that he wants to get David Montgomery at least 20 carries a game. That would be 340 carries in a full season if he averaged 20 carries a game. What did you think when you heard that? Is that just like totally far-fetched, or are they really going to lean on this guy like a full bell cow back? Yeah, I I was surprised Nagy was so firm with a number on it because the Bears' inability to stick to the running game has been a, a, just a common theme throughout Matt Nagy's tenure, and it wasn't really until like late last season that they really start stuck with it quite a bit and made it more of an emphasis of the offense. So, I mean, maybe he's turned some sort of a leaf there and, and you would certainly understand that when you have a rookie quarterback and, and Dalton still learning the offense and stuff that, with, you know, you want to be able to run the ball effectively, but at the same time, the, the key word there I think is, is effectively. And Matt Nagy's always been kind of clear that like if the running game is working and it's efficient and like the offensive line's playing well, yes, we will absolutely run the ball. But that that hasn't really been the case for much of his time in Chicago. And now starting with both of your offensive tackles injured and not super confident in at least the, the right side of with the, in that competition either at this point until we see a little bit more of that play out. I was just looking through David Montgomery in his career. I think he has eight games of 20 or more carries right, and it looks right. like like four or five of those came just in that last stretch of games last year alone. So they really, what Matt Nagy's really saying there is not, we are going to force feed him 20 carries, but what he's, what, what he kind of clarified later was that when you look at the other running backs in the NFL that put up big yards and have big volume, they're getting a lot of those carries in the fourth quarter. So Matt Nagy's saying, I want to be ahead in the fourth quarter so I can get David Montgomery to 20 carries a game. Like of course. That, sure. That's more more so he's he's thinking about it from the right way. It's not just like 
you know, teams that run the ball more win because it's not because they're running the ball. It's because they, they were running because they were winning as opposed right. to winning because they were running. He gets he seems to get that formula. And, and that's more, I think, what he's saying is let's let's be good enough in the first three quarters so we can get David Montgomery to 20 carries a game. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, too. I, I understand the enthusiasm and wanting to bet on Montgomery, especially how he ended the last year in the last three games. He had 32 carries, 23 carries, 22 carries. So in all three games, of those uh, final three games that he, he was in. He eclipsed that 20-carry mark, and I know he had seven touchdowns in his final five games, I believe. And it's just, those are really great stats. They're encouraging for a running back, but I'm with you. I'm surprised that he said 20. I'm surprised that he put a number on it because that can only bite you. That can that can only come back to haunt you because as, as a head coach, he's got to know that the second the Bears go on a two or three game losing streak or losing, I don't know, like three of the last five, whatever it is, somebody in the media is going to say, you know, coach, this offseason, you uh, you said that you'd like to get Montgomery 20 carries a game. That hasn't happened in the last three contests. Is there a reason for that? And he's going to say the exact same thing that you just said to me here on this podcast, and it all could have been avoided if you would have just said, yeah, we'd like to give David Montgomery the ball a lot. <laughs> just don't put a yeah. number on it, man. Come on. Well, and then you add into the mix, you know, last year, Tariq Cohen tore his ACL in, I think, week three. So it, it was David Montgomery and Cordero Patterson was your Bears backfield. So there was plenty of snaps to go to Montgomery, and you didn't really have to spread them out. T- Tariq Cohen comes back, and the Bears signed Damian Williams from Kansas City this offseason. Of course, a Matt Nagy running back that you know, he has a great relationship with. So right. I could see the Bears committing to, like, running the ball 20 times a game, but to find 20 carries for David Montgomery just and— and, and get Williams and Tariq Cohen in, in there. I mean, it's it, it it seems almost impossible to to pull that all off at the same time. Uh, I got two more questions for you before we get you out of here. They both have to do with wide receivers. The first one's with Anthony Miller. Miller is no longer on the Chicago Bears, and I, my question is honestly just what happened, man. I mean, he he started off so hot, and it looked like like oh man, you look at how much production that this guy had when he was in college football. This is an easy guy to bet on. He's in a great offense now. Was it simply that the quarterbacks just weren't good enough for him, or did he really have a fall off for for one reason or another with him personally? Yeah, everything with Anthony Miller. I guess I can't say everything at this point. Up and up until the Saints game in the playoffs last year, everything with Anthony Miller was was off the field, and not you know he never got arrested or in trouble, and that's why I have some trouble with why the Bears were so eager to trade him because it wasn't. It wasn't like this the situation where they just had to get rid of him and take whatever they could for him. It felt more like like they wanted to because they were tired of it and just didn't want to have it around. But it doesn't seem like a very good use of value. But to to get to the bigger point here, he was not always on time for meetings, not always on time for practices. It wasn't super clear like if he straight up missed a meeting here and there or or the full extent of his lack of discipline in that regard. But then not fully in the playbook the way the team would want him to. And there was a lot of times where he and the quarterback would have miscommunications and kind of afterwards, Matt Nagy would, you know, he didn't want to throw Miller under the bus, but he'd say, yeah, you know, we need that route at, at 12 yards instead of 14. And so that's why the ball was overthrown there. You know, little things like that, where you sometimes you, you can't tell in the game if it's the quarterback's fault that he just missed the receiver, or if it's the receiver's fault, not being where he's supposed to be. And pretty consistently with Anthony Miller, the feeling was he was the one that was not where he was supposed to be. And then in the wild card game against the Saints this past season, he got into a fight with uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson mm-hmm. after the team had explicitly 
not only previously gotten into a fight with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson with a different wide receiver, <laughs> but then reminded all of their players, hey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to try and fight you. Do not engage in any way, shape, or form. Like multiple times hammering that over and over and over, and then Anthony Miller gets ejected from that uh, as a result. And so that was kind of the last straw for them, for Anthony Miller. But I still feel like he's a good player. I mean, he was their third leading receiver last season. And when you have Justin Fields or even Andy Dalton, but you want to surround your quarterback with as many weapons as possible. And so even if Anthony Miller is missing meetings and you don't want to enable that and you don't want to reward that behavior, you could still sort of punish him internally and still enjoy the 450 yards he might get you this year. If we've learned anything over the last couple of years, it is that Chauncey Garner-Johnson is a top five trash talker in the NFL. I mean, this guy just knows how to get in your head. Know about it. That was Javon Wims, who like lost his, who like lost his mind on him, right? Wasn't that the Wims? first time? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I remember and then that they correctly. Did it again. Man, he's got. He's got something for the Bears. The Bears got to They got to tighten up, man. They got. They got to get it together here. Okay. So last question. Sticking with wide receivers, got to talk to you about Darnell Mooney because everyone is so excited about Darnell Mooney with, I mean, even before Anthony Miller was gone, people wanted Mooney to be that next guy, next Allen Robinson. They wanted him to get a lot of the targets. Is he worth it? Because, you know, I and I don't say that in any slight to Darnell Mooney at all. He's been electric. He's been a lot of fun, but we always do this. We always look at these young guys these these next men up kind of a thing and when they have a couple of highlights here and there we are it is a runaway train it's a bit of an avalanche and sometimes it can get a little bit out of control sometimes the hype can go too far has the hype gone too far for Darnell Mooney or are we really in the right spot believing that he is a future star with this Bears offense I think somewhere in the middle right I mean I think I think there's there's some real legitimacy to the hype but I'm I'm not sure that 2021 is the right year to, to say, oh, he's going to be a thousand yard receiver this year and the Bears going to, you know, do all that. I mean, just because both of your quarterbacks are going to be learning and ramping up that Dalton is still learning this offense, even from week one and, and on, you know, he's still getting on the same page, these receivers. And then whenever they switch to Justin Fields, there's going to be that adjustment. And so I, I don't know that we will see either quarterback get like 100% settled and locked in this season, unless Justin Fields really gets their early early in this lineup and so like that's for me what I think the difference will be for Darnell Mooney is like maybe next year with Justin Fields fully established and the passing game potentially then opening up more and more that's when I would see that that's when I would start to really raise my expectations for for more Darnell Mooney I just don't know exactly if the offense is going to get there but I think what's different about Mooney for me is that he he came in with with zero expectation not zero expectations but fifth round rookie you know, Anthony Miller is kind of the young guy that's going right. to be number two receiver. And yet week one, Darnell Mooney is a starter. And, you know, we didn't have open training camps or preseason games to really see that hype. It was like this kind of surprise. I'm like, whoa, that that kid from Tulane is starting? Like, wait, what? And then, you know, from there it, it sort of emerged and, and started the whole hype train. I mean, 61 catches and 630 yards as a rookie fifth-round pick right. in an offense that wasn't great. It, that that's sort of the the combination there. Like he, at at Tulane, he was more of this you know outside speed vertical threat that could take the top off and make some plays after the catch. But last year, he really showed a much more well-rounded skill set to to separate on in-breaking routes and over the middle of the field. And some of the things that we just didn't really see him do a lot of at Tulane. And, and he himself kind of said at the start of the year, he was like, "Yeah, I come to the NFL. I didn't realize like 
how much more time I would have for football. Like now that I don't have classes and stuff, he said, like at Tulane, I couldn't really watch tape ahead of time on the cornerbacks I was going to be facing. So I had to spend the first quarter and a half learning them and their nuances. And then I could figure out how to beat them during the game. And then by the second half, I really knew all their moves. But now I start the game with that advantage because I can spend all week learning my opponents at defense. And that was like, that was what really triggered that year one breakout for him. So that, that's what it, it seems like. There's all the confidence in the world behind the scenes of him, like getting up to speed and the explanation for the breakout and, and everything like that to where it's just a matter of making sure that now that opposing cornerbacks have tape on him, that he can sort of adjust and not hit that sophomore slump and, you know, kind of go through some of those back and forth of changing his game and developing as his own type of receiver in addition to learning the opponent he's facing. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for improvement this year, but I'm I'm still circling next year as the big breakout, not only for Mooney, but Fields in this offense as a whole. Yeah, it just feels like that could be really where it all starts. I mean, if, if Chicago is solid this year, if things are going in the right direction and they get to keep some continuity in the coaching staff. I think it's going to be important too. They've got a lot of really nice pieces. And is Allen Robinson a free agent next year? Isn't yep. this, this is the last year? Because he got franchise tagged, right? Yep. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's going to be a big thing too. If they if they're going in the right direction, if they can get a Rob back, if if Fields is firing on all cylinders, man, Chicago. Could here's be, a list. Could be fun. Here's a list of. Here's a list of the Bears wide receivers under contract in 2022. Darnell Mooney. Um, Riley Ridley and Daz Newsom. Oh heck yeah! Big Daz New, big Daz Newsom fans on this podcast though, so we're all about it. I really do love Daz. I, we were going through summer scouting a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were watching Sam Howell. And as I'm watching Sam Howell, I'm like, God, Daz Newsom. I hope he's good in the NFL, man. He's a lot of fun. Okay, there we go. That's the that is the Chicago stop here on the training camp tour. Make sure you guys are following everything that Lauren is doing over at Locked On Bears. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us, getting us caught up on everything Justin Fields and everything else that's happening in Chicago. Hey, make sure you stop at Lou Malnati's before you get out of town. Oh, there it is. There it is. He had to get the final line in there. That's great. Before we get you guys out of here, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models that are on the road today, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to carry exactly what you're looking for. You're going to go in, you're going to tell them what they need, and they're just going to order it on a computer and tell you to come back in a couple weeks. You don't even need to go in for that. Go to rockauto.com and do it yourself. Take out the middleman. You can see on their website, it's, it's super easy to navigate. You can see exactly where your car is, left-hand side, you can find the exact make and model, all the parts they have available for your car or truck. And if you see exactly what you need, order it right there. If you don't, you can hit them up. They've got great customer service. Uh, they, they're fantastic. Their prices are always reliably low. They're willing to help out customers. If they can get the part, they will. And if not, they'll point you in the right direction. If you go to rockauto.com, whether you buy something or not, let them know that Locked On NFL Draft sent you. That would really help us out here on this podcast. They got an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need over at rockauto.com. We got a couple more training camp tour episodes coming for you later this week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.